0: All right, welcome everybody to part three of this series we're calling Stretch Marks. Want to say a special hello to those of you who are here for the very first time or those of you watching online. We're glad you are joining us. Before we dive in this morning, need you to be aware that Tuesday is Valentine's Day. Your wife said she didn't want anything, and that is a lie. So you need to realize that you got two days left. Figure it out if she needs something. Could be you just taking care of the kids. Any ladies want some of that, right? Just take them kids out of my sight. Get me some chocolate and the kids and we'll be good to go. Hey, what we like to do here at New Anthem is take a book of the Bible or a topic that seems relevant, spend a few weeks exploring what the Bible has to say about those things. And the entire premise for this series called Stretch Marks is that God wants to stretch you in a variety of ways. It actually is from a sermon that Jesus preached. You can read about it in Matthew in your Bible. Uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 is the entire sermon. But in that sermon, Jesus stretches the beliefs. Of his listeners, and I've said this every week, but I firmly believe this is true. This can be the best year of your life, if, if it's the best year of your life spiritually. God wants to stretch you and do some things for you, and I promise you, if you incorporate some of these things and really seek God, this can be the best year of your life. And uh, that's why we named the series "Stretch Marks" because God wants to stretch you. So a couple of weeks ago we talked about stretching your faith. God has some ways he needs to stretch your faith. Last week we talked about stretching your time. Today is a massive topic because we're going to talk about stretching your money now. Relax. This has nothing to do with you giving us more money today. I'm not taking up any extra offerings or anything like that. We're not going to show any pictures to, you know, drive you emotionally to feel like you need to give more. That has nothing to do with it. I'm not going to ask you to pull out your checkbook at all today. I just want to share some practical wisdom from the Bible and might cause you to stretch how you view your money. That's what today's all about. It just so happens that Jesus spoke more about money than he did heaven or hell. Jesus liked to tell these stories in the Bible called parables. And parables are just uh, simple stories with a kind of hidden spiritual truth woven within them. You can kind of think like Aesop's fables, but with a spiritual twist, you know, like slow and steady wins the race. That was the point of the tortoise and the hare. Well, Jesus tells some stories like that. Well, there's a spiritual truth woven into them, and, and more of Jesus' parables were about money than any other subject. Yet what I find interesting, you might find this interesting too, is that Jesus never asked anybody for any money. He never said, hey, I, I'm going to need a new boat, guys, get around, preach to you. gonna need some fresh new sandals to walk around in. Okay, he never asked for any of those things, and neither did his disciples. Yet he talked so much more about money than anything else. And the reason why, and the reason why you can't literally open up anywhere in the New Testament where you find those red words where Jesus is talking, you can't find any of those words where he's not talking about money. The reason why is because money is the chief competition to God for your heart. There's nothing else in this world as satisfying to us as money. And it's the reason why it's the chief competition to God. See, the Bible says we're supposed to love God with our entire heart, soul, mind, and strength. And yet the one thing that's going to keep us from doing that is money. That's why money is so dangerous. In fact, last week, you might remember me talking about Money and I said how money, or uh, excuse me, I was talking about time and I said how time management was an oxymoron. You can't really manage time. You only get so many hours in your day and everybody gets the same amount. So it's kind of an oxymoron. In fact, you can't borrow time, there's no rollover time, but you can borrow money. And that's why it's so dangerous. Because many people in the world have found themselves just borrowing money and they get in a lot of trouble. So I want to talk to you today about how God might want to stretch your view on money. And the really good news today, especially if you're here and you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. i got great news for you today because it's going to be practical And it's going to be helpful, and you don't even have to change your view of God or the Bible or Christianity or any of that. You can leave here today and just incorporate some of these ideas on money, and it's going to radically change your financial life. not even asking you to change your spiritual life. But if you're here today, and you're a Christian, and you've made the profession of faith in Jesus Christ, these principles are non-negotiables. God said, if you're going to love me with your entire heart, I'm going to be the Lord of your life. And I've got some ways that you need to handle your money. You need to get your financial house in order. And I'll show you exactly where I get that. Matthew six twenty four, where Jesus was preaching this sermon. He said, no one can serve two masters. Either, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money could have chosen anything to choose right. You can't serve both God and and anybody else or God and food or God and whatever. Jesus said you can't serve both God and money because, like I said, money is the chief competition to God for your heart. If you're going to serve God, then you have to follow the laws that he's laid down for your money. Before we can get into the money and how we need to stretch, I want to talk to you about a couple myths that our culture has kind of ingrained into us. And they're simply not true. You might want to write these down if you're taking notes. Myth number one, my standard of living determines my quality of life. It's a myth. My standard of living determines my quality of life. It's not true. If you don't believe me, then you need to go to Haiti with our missions team. And what you'll see in Haiti is abject poverty, people living in what you would probably call complete squalor, yet those people most often are more happy than most of your friends in America right now, and they don't even have indoor plumbing. It's because your standard of living does not determine your quality of life. See, you can raise your standard of living with debt, and yet it does nothing to increase your quality of life life. Why? Because it's anxiety and stress. You understand you got to pay that back. You have no idea how you're actually going to pay that back. So you can raise your standard of living by doing some silly things, getting yourself into debt. Yet the only way to raise your quality of life is by finding this discipline that God has for your life. It's about choosing to view God as your source, Instead of choosing to view your stuff and find happiness there. Some of you need to hear me today say that you can lower your standard of living, yet raise your quality of life. Standard of living does not determine quality of life. Here's another myth. If I had a little bit more, then things would be fine. How many of you have ever thought that? If I just had a little bit more money, pastor, things would be fine. It wouldn't be so tight. We'd have a better life. Yet, you felt the same way when you made less than you do now. Think back 10 years ago. If somebody would have said to you how much money you'd be making right now, yet you'd still be financially strapped, you would have laughed in their face. Yet here we are. How can that be? Because more does not equal fine. Having more money does not reduce the pressure you're going to feel in life. You think about it, if you have a $35,000 a year job, it's a lot easier to find a $35,000 a year job if you lose that job than if you have a $135,000 a year job. There's only so many of those out there in the world and everybody wants that job. There's so many of us that want more and more and more and we think that's going to lead to happiness and it's simply not true. A little bit more doesn't change things. Discipline changes things. Order changes things. How you see the world around you changes things. So let's talk a little bit about what we need to do. If you're sick and tired of feeling like you have no money, if there's more months than there is money, what can we do for your worrying about your future? Let's figure out how we can stretch our money this year. Again, you might want to write these down. First, you need to plan your spending. If you want to stretch your money this year, have the best financial year you can have, you've got to plan your spending. Getting to the end of the month, wondering where it all went. You don't have to do that anymore. You can tell your money where to go. You don't have to wonder where it went. Watch this, Proverbs 21.5. Plan carefully, and you will have plenty. If you act too quickly, you will never have enough. Might circle, star, underline, highlight, whatever you do, that phrase, act too quickly. Advertising folks have a term for this. They call it impulse buying. That's why when you walk up to the cash register, there's all those things around there because they want you to buy one of those things. That's how most people end up getting into debt. They see a commercial or whatever it is, and they are convinced that they need this thing, even though prior to seeing it, they had no interest in that thing. Advertisers have mastered this ability, convince you you need stuff that you had no idea you even wanted to begin with. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying you can't allow impulse spending to dictate your buying. You have to plan. Today's world, we call that budgeting you need to get on a budget. If you want to change your financial life, you have to develop a budget. Anybody in here heard of a guy named John D. Rockefeller? Yeah, pretty pretty well-known cat. Uh, he, in the late 1850s, uh, was termed the richest man in the world. He developed a company called Standard Oil. And uh, at his peak, he was worth in excess of $30 billion. Now, that's fairly significant amount of money. I'm not sure I could even spend that in my entire lifetime. I'd like to try, but uh, I'm not sure I could. Uh, but he, he probably had some ideas on money that many of us never will have, yet he came up with this beautiful theory in finances. He called it the 10-10-80 principle. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about it. And what's so amazing about this principle is it's totally scalable doesn't matter if you're a billionaire like our boy Rockefeller, or if you make a couple hundred dollars a week, you can still utilize this principle. And you don't even have to be a Christian. It's fantastic. You can just do it. And it has nothing uh, to do with it, Uh, your spiritual life. And so John Rockefeller said, if you want to have a kind of free financial life, what you need to do is you need to give away 10% of your income you can do it, give it to a charity or a homeless shelter or whatever you need to do you can just give it away though 10% of your income another 10% of your money you need to invest it and save it allow it to grow even while you're sleeping make your money work for you instead of you having to work for money all the time give 10 away invest 10 and then he said you need to live on the other 80 that 80% is what you should be living on that's the 10 10 80 principle First articulated by John D. Rockefeller, late 1800s that I know of. Okay, somebody else maybe even wiser came up with that before that. But the bottom line is you need to plan your spending. You need to develop a budget. Highly recommend that you choose the 10-10-80 principle. But here's something else you can do. Stretch your money. You need to keep good records. If you want to get stretched financially this year, have some more cash. You need to figure out where your money's going tell it where to go, plan your spending, but then you got to keep good records. This is Proverbs 27. Riches can disappear fast. Amen, somebody, right? <laughs> Riches can disappear fast, so watch your business interests closely. Know the state of your flocks and herds. You say, Pastor, I have no flocks or herds. No, no idea what you're and talking about. These kids following me around. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. When this was written, Wealth was determined by your amount of livestock. So if you had more goats or cows, then you were considered wealthy. Today's translation would say, know the state of your checking account. Know the state of your 401k. Know the state of your finances. Now this couldn't be easier especially in today's world. There's apps for this. You can get it all on your phone. Everything's on the internet. There's computer programs. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when there was like ledgers and you you had to like write stuff down in your checkbook. I'm not even sure if they still print those things anymore. I mean, you you can just do everything online, but you got to keep good records. I worked at a bank, okay? We had to, like at the end, we had to get our till to the penny, I'm just telling you right now, banks mess up, so you need to keep good records. Your energy company will mess up. Okay? I remember in our first house, Laura and I were living uh, in Newton. We had this little tiny house, and uh, one month the energy bill came, and it was like $250 higher than it had been the months previous. i was like, how is this even possible? So after multiple phone calls, call up Westar, West the kind folks at Westar, West you know, God bless you guys. But they they were averaging for the entire months our bill nobody was coming and actually reading the meter that was a really hot couple months there in that summer and so when they actually came to read the meter we were way spiked higher than our average and so they had to catch themselves up Uh, and so I tell you what now I might be insane and I totally get that but I started writing down my meter readings every uh, month after that again Am I insane? Maybe. I don't know. But I would just tell you people mess stuff up. So keep good records. That's my point. Keep good records. This could be your year of financial freedom, but you've got to plan your spending. You need to keep good records. No more stress. Here's how you can do it save money faithfully. Again, this goes back to the 101080 principle. But you need to save some money. Well, Pastor, I can't afford to save then you're spending too much, period. You can't afford to save, you're spending too much. Here's a 2015 study, okay, so very recent. Average Japanese family saves 25% of their monthly income. Average European family saves 18%. Average American family spends 108% of their income. <laughs> what? How is that even possible? You get into debt. Borrow it. Charge it. Finance it. Doesn't matter. You're not the U.S. government. You can't just print more money. Okay? Am I allowed to say that? I don't know. I get shut down here. But spending more than you make is a problem. It's gotten people into a lot of disaster. If you're so far in debt, you're stressed, you're anxious, you're yelling at one another, you have no real hope for your financial future, I love you, I want the best for you, and so does God. So I'm going to read you a passage, I'm going to tell you what you can do about it. Ecclesiastes 11.2, invest what you have in several different businesses, because you don't know what disasters might happen. Here's what King Solomon was saying there, it's where we get the old phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Some of you need to save faithfully in a variety of different ways. You need to diversify your portfolio. The cool thing is, is we have some professional financial counselors that come to this church. Be glad to help you do that. If you want their contact info, let me know. I'd be happy uh, to get it to you. But some of you are in just massive amounts of debt. You can't even save anything. Here's some even... Great news for you. We've got some people who have done Financial Peace University. They're credit counselors. They can help you get out of debt. We've got this great program called the Snowball, the Debt Snowball, and they can walk you through it. We've got testimonies of people of getting out of thousands and thousands of dollars of debt. And the freedom that they experience when they've done that is just unspeakable. Again, if you want their contact information, please put it on your connection card. I will send you their information. They'd be glad to help you get out of debt. But if you want to have the best year of your life, it's got to be your best year spiritually. God's laid out some financial principles for you. He says you need to plan your spending. You need to save some money. You need to keep good records. Here's point number four. Enjoy what I have. Enjoy what I have. Some of you habitually get into debt because you can't enjoy what you have. You're not content. Stop chasing after stuff for your happiness. Never leads to happiness. Happiness is determined by your response to what you have. Is not determined by what you actually have. Here it is in Scripture. Check this out. Ecclesiastes 5.19. If God gives us wealth and property and lets us enjoy them, it's a big deal. We should be grateful and enjoy what we have worked for. Again, circle, star, underline, highlight. What you have worked for. It is a gift from God. God lets us enjoy stuff, if he gives us stuff that we've worked hard for, you should be grateful. God might be telling you this morning, I want is better than I owe. Wanting something's not wrong. Getting yourself into massive amounts of debt is absolutely not God's plan for your life. It's not the spiritual best for you God wants to give you things It's right here He wants you to enjoy things He just asks you to work hard for them And if you're not doing that Don't expect nice things Period God didn't give me a high paying job pastor Well then work hard at going back to school To get that job You wouldn't be the first person to work multiple jobs And go back to school In order to enjoy nice things that you want Now Here's what's beautiful about all of that. You don't have to be a Christian to do any of that. You can learn how to budget and get your money in the right place and you can learn how to save and you can learn how to invest and you can learn how to keep good records and you can even learn how to enjoy what you have and it doesn't have to change your life at all spiritually. You don't have to trust in God to do any of those things. But, but, none of those things will show the world that God has had any impact on your life. Those are just smart things to do. But God says, I want you to serve me with everything that you have. I want to be the Lord of your life. And the chief competition for me being Lord of your life is how you spend your money. And so if you're a Christian, i got a couple things I want to talk to you about. And watch this, Deuteronomy 8.18 if you start thinking to yourselves, I did all this all by myself. I'm rich. It's all mine. Well, think again. Remember that God gave you the strength to produce all this wealth so as to confirm the covenant that he promised to your ancestors, the covenant that God would take up residence in your life and change and that you need to be salt and light of the world and be different than the culture that you've been brought up in here's how i want you to write it down god is my source if i'm going to get stretched this year i've got to understand that god is my source You're going to have the best year. It's got to be your best year spiritually. And in order to be your best year spiritually, you've got to realize that God is your source. You've got to put your security in something that can't be taken from you. Your job can be taken from you. Your physical ability to work and produce income, it can be taken from you. Some of you all have testimonies to that effect. Lost a job, lost the ability to work got to put your something in that can't be taken from you and the one thing that can't be taken from you is god's ability to provide not yours can't take that away from you god's ability to provide you got to stretch your faith god will provide for you stop looking at your checkbook for your sense of security and worth start looking towards god he made a covenant with you as moses pointed out here and that covenant said that he will take care of you, no matter what. You just have to put him first, which is actually point six. Honor God first. If you're a Christian and you're trusting in God for your salvation, then you have to honor God first. It's a non-negotiable. This is right in Scripture. Jesus said you can't serve both God and money. This is a spiritual principle that applies to every area of your life, not just your finances. You've got to put God first in every area of your life, your relationships, your time. We've already talked about time. We're going to talk about relationships next week, but you've got to put God first. And since we're talking about money today, let's chat a little bit about how we need to put God first. The word the Bible uses around this is tithing. Okay, tithing is a weird word. I understand that. The original Hebrew, it means 10th part. That's what tithe means. But it's been very misunderstood in culture and popular belief. And so I think we need to deconstruct some things because the Bible makes it crystal clear what tithing means. And all throughout Scripture. And I'll tell you, it has a lot more to do than just 10% of your money. Okay, let's check this out together. The first thing that God gives us around this idea of tithing is a promise. Okay, here's the promise of tithing, Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. Which part? First part. When you do, he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Love that. It's promise. And when you give the first part to God, he's going to bless you. You say pastor, well that's in proverbs. And I remember that you told me that proverbs aren't promises. I'm so glad you remembered that. Thank you for paying attention the last time I preached that. Great point. So let me point this out. Malachi 3:10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Says the Lord. Test me in this. Says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Only time in Scripture you'll ever see God say that. Test me in this. See if I don't bless you by giving the first part of your income away. That's a promise from God. See if I don't bless you when you honor me first. I'm going to bless you. That's what God says. Everybody say first part, first part of your income. That's the promise. First part. But then he gives us a purpose. He says, here's the promise. I'm going to bless you, but here's the purpose. The purpose isn't the blessing, even though I'm going to do that. Here's the purpose. Deuteronomy 14, 23. Bring this tithe to eat before the Lord your God at the place he shall choose as his sanctuary. This applies to your tithes of grain, new wine, olive oil, and the firstborn of your flocks and herds. The purpose of tithing, circle star underline highlight, is to teach you to always put God first in your lives. Not first in your money, first in your lives. That's the purpose of tithing, that you are trusting God. You're saying, God, I'm thankful for my past. I'm grateful for everything you've given me, and I'm going to trust you with my future. That's the purpose of tithing, trusting you with everything my entire life. You are the Lord of my life. I'm going to trust you with everything. Furthermore, you can see in this Malachi three ten passage in the Deuteronomy fourteen twenty three passage that we just read. God gives us a place to tithe. So not only does he give us a promise, he's going to bless you. Not only does he give you a purpose, which is to put God first in your life, but he gives you a place to actually tithe. He says storehouse, bring it to my storehouse, bring it to my sanctuary that I choose. That's his local church. That's what those words mean. So I'll just say this as plainly as I can. If you want to email me, great. My email is shelbysparks at gmail.com. Okay, remember that. Uh, That's not true. But I'd love to have the conversation with you if you want to have this conversation. Plainest way I can say this. You're supposed to be giving 10% of your income to your local church. I don't want your money. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. If you feel like the only thing we're after is your money, then tithe to another church. That's fine. But God says you need to be tithing the first part of your income to a local church. His purpose. He wants to bless you. That's a promise. He wants to bless you. The purpose is so that you'll put God first in your life. The place is the local church. Now, the Bible makes it clear that there are two ways to give. There's a tithe and an offering. A tithe is 10th part, 10%. You should be giving the first 10%. Anything on top of that is what the Bible calls an offering. Both things are true. You can give a tithe and an offering. That's what we're called to do both. Be generous to your church and to the people around you. Now, not only did he give us a purpose and a promise and a place, but he also gave us a time, okay? This is throughout all of Scripture, okay? Here's your New Testament passage, 1 Corinthians 16, 16 2. On every Lord's day, each of you should put aside something from what you have earned during the week and use it for this tithe. The amount depends on how much the Lord has helped you earn. Again, it's scalable. doesn't matter if you make a million dollars this week or you make $50 this week. 10%. The beauty of scripture. You can see a pattern here. First part of your income, first day of the week. What happens you're putting God first. That's what God wants for your life. It's for you to put him first it has nothing to do with giving. Here's what else you can see in there. It says you have to plan it out. The Bible say let each person determine in his own heart how much he needs to give. That's the beauty of scripture. So you don't have to, you know, respond to any sort of emotional plea or any sort of garbage you see on TV. You don't have to do any of those things. You get to plan it out. That's what I love about God. It says, you choose what you need to give. In today's world, it's super easy. In fact, you can get on New Anthem Church's website, Today, set up monthly giving. I think thirty percent of you all do it that way. You don't even have to think about it. It'll just automatically take away each week ten percent, whatever you choose uh, to give it, or or monthly, or whatever you need to do. You get to choose. You get to plan it out that way. You never have to feel guilty. If somebody wants to talk to you about money. You say, No, I've determined it in my heart. I've, I've I've done it. I'm doing it online. It's great. That's what I love about God. Again, it's a faith issue. Okay. One day you're going to have to stand before God. And as we've already seen, it's God who provides everything and gives us the ability to enjoy everything and the ability to work. And you're going to have to stand before God and he's going to ask you how you stewarded his funds. It's the parable of the talents, if you want to check that out for yourself. Now, one day God's going to ask you, well, how did you do with the money that I gave you? And I want to be able to say, God, I, I did the best I could with what I gave. I stewarded your funds well. And I want God to say, well done good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. Go enjoy much. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for your life. I want to have the best life you can have. That's the wonderful thing about God. Is he can bless you even if you're not a Christian. He says, here's some financial principles that work. You don't even have to trust me. But God says, if, if you're going to If you're going to be a Christian and I'm going to be the Lord of your life, then these are the things that you need to do. And I promise to bless you when you do it. How great and amazing is the God of the universe that he promises to let you enjoy your life when you put him first. God's not trying to keep anything from you. I feel like I say that every single week. God wants you to have the fullest life possible, a life of enjoyment. The pattern that the world is, I'll close with this. The pattern that the world has is that the first thing that you need to do is you need to spend it. Go buy whatever you need to buy. Make your life enjoyable by spending whatever you need to spend. And then when you do that, you're going to have to worry about it because you're going to have to repay it. And if If you have any left over by the end of that, maybe save some of it just in case, you know, something bad happens. If there's an off chance that you have anything, you know, throw a dollar at the homeless guy or the guy ringing the bell at Christmas. Yeah, you know, do some of that. But the pattern that God lays out in Scripture, this is so big. God says the first thing that you should do is dedicate all your money. You didn't do anything to earn that. God gave you the ability to work for it, so dedicate it. It's all God's money to begin with. And then you should tithe. Then you should spend it and enjoy it. When you choose to do those things, God blesses you. Do you see the difference in that? One's all about your enjoyment. And the other one's a lie. Period. Seek first the kingdom of God. All these things will be added to you as well. God knows what you want. God knows what you need seek first God. I want to pray a prayer blessing on you this morning. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're willing to commit to this in your heart, I'm from this point on choosing to put God first in everything, not just my money, but I'm going to be stretched this year. I'm going to pray for you. God, we love you thank you for the opportunity to come and gather in this place to hear your word god thank you for these financial principles that you've laid out for us you've given us wisdom we know that we need to learn how to budget keep good records and save and invest god we also know that we want to put you first And God, you've given us a promise that when we do that, you would bless us. And God, I just want to pray for your favor in each person's life this year. Bless their marriages, bless their households, bless their jobs, bless their families, bless their children. God, I'm praying for health. I'm praying for strong marriages. I'm praying for financial blessing because They're choosing to put you first in every area of their life. God, I'm trusting in your promise this morning that you will do what you said you would do. You will open up the floodgates of heaven and see if they can even be contained. God, I believe that's true for every person here today that trusts in you and believes in you. Thank you for your spiritual favor. God, I'm praying for the best year for every person in this room as they learn to put you first